Today's sales leaders face a difficult task, selling the right products at the right time through the right channels. A new three-day program from Harvard Business School Executive Education addresses this problem directly. Join us on the Boston campus in August for Managing Sales Teams and Distribution Channels, where you will discover strategies that can lead to the best sales performance. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me slash sales. That's hbs.me slash sales. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Good morning. How you guys doing? Oh man! What's up? This is Joshua T. Berglund's morning gratitude. What's going on, everyone? Oh man, what a day! What a day! Um, so missed you guys yesterday. <laughs> I took the day off, you know, doing four shows in a day, three shows in a day, two shows in a day. I've decided that I would give you guys a break for me. <laughs> it's just like enough of Josh already. Enough. Anyway, uh, good morning, everybody. Everyone listening right now on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor. Uh, and of course, everybody watching right now on Facebook and YouTube. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Um, man, I am grateful today for a lot, actually. But I'm going to give you one thing because we have a guest and he is waiting. But um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn, to have the opportunity to stretch myself every single day. Um, you know, as you know, I'm part of a leadership academy and now is my turn to lead the group. And and it's fun because I have a lot of amazing personalities, uh, really gifted, strong leaders, but are very gifted in different ways. And having that opportunity to learn how to lead different personalities is, is such a blessing to be able to do it in a safe container. As you guys know, I have a really big vision uh, for what I want to create in the world. And with that comes a lot of strong personalities and a lot of um, different personalities that, you know, don't always, you know, flow well with my type of personality. So having that opportunity to learn is something I'm very, very grateful for. Um, and I'm so the Ascension Leadership Academy has just uh, been terrific for me. And it's, it's winding down. The four-month journey is almost over. Golly, this is crazy. So anyway, good morning, Lisa Walker, my London princess, Jim Weaver. I cannot wait to see those ADHD shirts. <laughs> those sound amazing. Um, 
All right, guys. So we have an amazing guest. Like this is a real legitimate blessing. So for all of those of you that uh, are in business, which is pretty much everyone that listens to this show, um, this is going to be awesome. But this guy is absolutely incredible. Um, and I even if even though he has how to pronounce his last name in the bio. I swear to you, if I, I there's a good chance I may mess it up, and he's going to have to lecture me a little bit. But Tim, Michael, 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 I got it! Yay! I did it! I'm getting better. I'm learning how to read. My Oklahoma's wearing off. Uh, I didn't notice respect to Oklahoma. I did not mean that. I just always make a joke about speaking Oklahoman. So never mind. You have to watch the show to get it. Uh, he is a creator, the creator, best-selling author, and podcast host of The Ten Factor. Using his 10-month success blueprint, Tim helps consultants and entrepreneurs create a th thriving business built around their ideal lifestyle. Like many successful entrepreneurs, Tim failed his way to success. He lost 334, wait, $334,200 in 2008 after resigning from a 12-year corporate management career to pursue his side business full-time. Wow. The business quickly grew eight times, and within four months, Tim's wife quit her job as well. First of all, what a woman. Because <laughs> I know wives get a little nervous when you lose money. Holy jeez. Ten years later, she rem remains a stay-at-home mom. Several years after its exponential growth, a bad business deal left Tim's company almost bankrupt. Tapping into emergency funds, he fought back and restructured the business, resulting in a new profit-producing model requiring less than 40% effort. Seeing an opportunity to give back and help other struggling entrepreneurs, Tim reverse-engineered his process, validated it with top entrepreneurs, and created a 10-month roadmap, the 10 Factor. Holy crap. How many of us can relate to this? Like, seriously, good morning, Bonnie. Missed you guys yesterday. How many of you can relate to that? Like, you, you have this, you're thriving, you're, 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 you're going, but you're uneasy. And then you go, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go start this other thing. I'm going to follow my passion. And then, you know, obviously that has its battles. But then, you know, you get going and then all of a sudden something happens and you lose it all. And you're like, well, gosh, I thought this was my destiny. I thought this was all about. And you're presented with this option. Do you quit? Do you reinvent yourself? Do you keep going? What do you do? So I'm excited about this because this is inspiring for me because I like everything he just read. Yeah, I'm feeling it. So ladies and gentlemen, let's bring him on. The one, the only, Tim Michael. Good morning, man. How are you? Awesome, awesome. Can you hear me okay? I hear you great, man. You sound... Oh, I love it when guests have a microphone. It is sounds so... It's going to sound so much better on the radio now. <laughs> so, um, and that's interesting. So, it's pronounced Michael, yeah? So you, so, you got it. You want me to tell you the backstory behind it? Please. Okay, cool. So, I, I'm, I'm in high school in French class. And, you know, I we're, we're going through the... Our names, you know, where we came from originally. Telling my, my French teacher that I'm German, and you know, she's saying, No, you're not. I'm saying, Yes, I am. And she's saying, No, you're not. And we're back and forth. And, you know, kind of a, as much of a knockdown brawl as you can have with your French teacher. 
fast forward, high school graduation, my grandparents come out from North Dakota. My grandmother sits down at the table, she says, well, you know, when we came across customs years ago, it was MEI, and it was fake, and it was like 50 bucks to be through it, the MEU, and that's how it, that's how it ended up being that spelling. My dad never knew. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, but I did not go back to say, oh, sorry. <laughs> so, Tim, what are you grateful for this morning? Well, just just to be here, be on your show, get a chance to um, you know hopefully impact at least one person. Right? From what you did with the intro while I was in the waiting room, it, it seems like it's going to be more than that. Your listeners should uh, definitely relate to some of what I'm going to talk about, and hopefully they can see you know what it takes to get through it. Yeah, no doubt, because it is, it's tough, man. And like, and now there's this, like, I love the world that we live in now because it allows for people to really, truly express themselves freely and creatively. And like, you can't just, the th- the old hat that you used to be able to wear to rely on, you can't. You have to diversify now. You know, everyone's branding themselves. Everyone's putting out content. It is such a different playing field, but it's also more competitive and there's a lot of people that are looking and searching and wanting to follow their dreams and passions, but yet they hit those roadblocks or they get some momentum and then all of a sudden it's gone. So I want to get into this. Like, what career did you leave where you were, where you lost almost $400,000? Okay, so, so what I did, I followed the typical track. I, I, you know, I did well in high school. An engineering college, got my degree in civil engineering, it was Virginia Tech, and then I took a corporate job doing exactly what my degree was in, which is what most people don't do. Right. And I worked 12 years in construction management on a big commercial scale, you know, big 40, 50, 60, 70 million dollar type jobs. And about seven into the 12 years is when I kind of hit that point where something wasn't right. Basically, what happened is my relationship with my future wife at the time had a little, we were talking about starting a family and, and things like that. And it was two deal breakers with that company. So number one, I was not making enough money to do what we wanted to do, which was have her stay at home. And right. Kids. And then number two, there was this travel element. So we think of travel, you know, a lot of the kids that I coach in sports now, their parents, you know, hop on a plane Tuesday from home Thursday or, or what have you. And that's inconvenient, but we were talking about getting a apartment somewhere else and then kind of, kind of coming home to see your family, you know, once or twice a month. And that just wasn't, our, our relationship would have never survived that, and it just wasn't what we wanted. Right. So as those two things started to eat away at me, I, I, I guess I was, you know, I was going through it, of actually telling a story on my podcast yesterday about, I guess I was facing a fear that I knew that was an issue, and I was kind of at the beginning of that fear's journey. And I, I just kind of put it on the shelf so we continue to talk and talk and talk and talk. And eventually, I started dying. And that was 15 months before I ended up leaving corporate. So that was the beginning of 2007. And the side business was, was doing okay, but it was truly side business. Well, then I got called on the carpet. I had been in town for a while, kind of on a cakewalk job, which is, you know, it makes some of those memories kind of got to go back to the you know, you have the ebb and the flow of a bit in sure. a corporate life, where sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. It was a Friday afternoon, and my boss called me in and said, hey, 
we need you to get to New York. I'm in Maryland. We need you to take care of this problem job. You're, you're committed. So I asked questions an experienced person at. The first question was, did you already commit me to the owner? Well, yes. Second question, how many days a week is the job work? Seven. Third question, how many shifts a day? Three. Oh so in my mind, I'm going, okay, so once they get me there, I'm stuck. Meanwhile, we were trying to have our first child. So all this stuff's going on. So I said, sorry, I can't go. And this is 12 years, this guy had been my boss. He goes, what do you mean? This is not a negotiation. This is an assignment. I said, can't go. I have another business. He goes, what do you mean you have another business? So then, like, the jaw hits the table. And I said, well, you're not paying me enough to take care of my family. So I had to do what I had to do. Obviously, it has not been an issue if you didn't know anything about it. It's been 15 months. So we got through that somewhat awkward wow. conversation. And basically, the direction of me was, we need to figure out how to get you to shut that business down as soon as possible. Well, of course, that would not have helped me at all with what I wanted to do. So that fast-forwarded my exit. So basically, they found somebody that could go do that job. I got my ducks in a row, they gave my notice. Then on April 4th of 2008, I signed over $4,000 of my invested benefits. Oh, no. And without on my own as an entrepreneur. So that was, a, that was when I took my last paycheck. So now I'm jumping off that bridge, so to speak. And things went really well, which was, was interesting. And, I, and as I go back, one of the biggest struggles that I have and had in future years was delegating and time management and all those things that every entrepreneur fights. Oh, yeah. Well, I was running things like a top at that point because I had a full-time job where I was working 50 to 60 hours a week. I had a side business, you know, working on the relationship, had a house to take care of those things. So everything was dialed in. So I left that corporate job at 100 miles an hour, finely tuned. So the business kind of exploded out of the gates. And we did really well. So four months later, which was August, my wife resigned from her tenure job, and in October, my first daughter was born. So, if you can like write the story the way it's supposed to happen, right? Yeah. And that was the good part. And then we got into real, and the honeymoon was over. We got into real life. Oh. <laughs> That's kind of what led me to the tent. So what so, were so we? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No. So what were the bad business deals? Because and, and looking back at it, was it something that you could have avoided? There was something you could have been aware of to keep you from yeah, making I, that? Yeah. 100%. I had a mindset issue. Oh. And this is, this is what happened. And I didn't realize this for about almost 10 years until I developed the 10 factor. The 10 factor really got developed years later. What happened is that business grew, and then I bottlenecked it. So then we did this. So for 10 years, we lived in Quitland, Avenue flowing around Oof. me. Process sales, process sales, process sales. So when one would, would tap out, I would jump to the other one. So I was good at what I did. We maintained on the storefront good reputation. We provided a good product. We were well-respected. We had all, you know, repeat referral-type clients. Right. We did everything good, but behind the scenes, I'm the type of person that's got to be right. <laughs> so it came out of my pocket or out of my sleep. Oh. And 
over those years, you know, I, I continued to keep things moving along. But basically, I ended up working for my own company instead of running my company, which is what so many entrepreneurs don't realize when they start. And as we progressed, I started to hate it. Kind of hated going to my own business. And I didn't realize for years later, until I really reflected back, think, think about this. Five years, between year seven and 12, I was kind of soured with my industry. But well, anyway, I started a business in the same industry, more or less. Wow. So I already was fighting an uphill battle. And that's why I'm so passionate now about getting people in the right space. Because I feel like I kind of chased the money. And the money got me to my short-term goals, but it wasn't sustainable in the long run. Right. So there's two pieces, of, two lessons here for the listeners. One is if you're going to chase the money, have an exit plan. Or better, if you're not going to do you know, most people not like in and out. The better way to do it is to find something you like that you're good at, figure out how to make money, and then bring them both together. And that's the business you can you know, really be proud of and write home about and be sustainable for the long term. So that's what I'm doing now. So who's your ideal client? Like who do you enjoy My working ideal. with the most? Okay, and it, and I had to figure this out. I had to do a lot of testing. My ideal client is, you, you know how busy entrepreneurs, they shop in this balance between making money and spending time with their family. Sure. And then they lay in bed at night and they stress. And it's a guilt. If I work, not my family. If I don't work, I can't provide for my family. They get in this hamster. My ideal client that person has a family, has a successful business on the, on the storefront that needs to figure out how to do more with less and become more efficient, basically make more money in less time. That's my ideal client. That's a good ideal client to have. Because it always seems like we all have a little bit of clutter in our lives. We all have something that we can remove. Um, I'm learning this as I, I, I mentioned in the intro that I'm going, I'm in the leadership academy and I, you're, I'm learning about all of these different personality types and, and, and being around other powerful leaders in their respective fields. But it seems like I would say about 85% of them struggle with time management because they have just too much in their lives. And typically, the things that are the easiest to remove, which shockingly more people don't do, is TV. <laughs> TV and then social media. But social media is such a huge part of what we all do day in, day out for our business. And it's how do you find the balance with when do you say enough is enough as someone that runs their business on social media or being engaged, they find clients there. How, how do you find the balance with that? And when do you say enough is enough? Well, there's a few fundamental steps. And actually, I did these for years, and I didn't even realize that until I really started digging in, which, which has made my system a little bit easier for me to sell because I've been doing it for years. Right. But I always schedule my personal work. So when I put my, my weeks, I don't schedule too far in advance other than major items. But when I schedule out my like, for example, I take my oldest daughter to school every single day. That's awesome. So that is a time block for me. And, it, you know, it's a 35-minute ride. 
know, I block an hour for that every single day. I schedule my me time in the mornings because I work out before they all get up in the mornings. Yeah. I get that out of the way. I've always found that once it's done, it's done. And that's, you know, one of my things is I like to break a sweat at least one day. That's one of the things I do. The other thing I do is I always want to pick somebody I've never met before and smile and say hi to them because you never know who you're going to impact. That's huge for me. Oh, uh, who is it? Um, who wrote The Pursuit of Happiness? Dalai Lama talks about that. It, it, the yeah. importance of smiling at someone you don't know every day. And, and usually, you don't even know that you impact them. You just do it and walk away, and then whatever happens, happens. But that's so it, you can't expect anything. Right. It's just, you know, kind of paying it forward. So I, so I block my personal things. I could do sports year round. So, you know, like last time we were at softball. So all those things get put on my, my schedule. And then I, then I lay everything else out. That has to happen. Time with clients, providing value, training us, things like that. My podcast recordings, and then you have some overlap where you have this. What do you do? Well, I call it the right to refuse. So you can pick them. You can make an educated decision. Either this goes or this goes. Sometimes a personal item, like you said, you can't do it all. Sometimes you have to sacrifice. Yeah. But in general, I always at least explore the option of being involved and present with everything. So so that's kind of how you, you deal with that. Then this the whole social media thing, that I'm gonna call that a slippery slope. <laughs> yes, because yes. you know we're we're in a we're in a world now where you know, basically wait you're not awake twenty four hours a day, but you're expected to be responsive twenty four hours a day. Oh. So everybody knows that you see that message come through, it's whether you choose to deal with it or not. So what what I found is I and I'm not perfect at this, I don't think anybody is, but I try my best to time block my social media. So I time block everything. You know what? And I need to do that. I really do. It, well, the major piece. So like throughout the day, I'll, I'll absolutely look at my notifications because if I get an important message or something I have to deal with, I want to be able to address it. But I kind of treat it like email. So I kind of scan through them and then I'll come back to it later. If, if I need to. But then I don't really read for the feed. So what you'll see, like, I think it was, gosh, it must have been, well, you and I were messaging back and forth last night. Around that time, I was very active in LinkedIn because I went through when I was responding to a bunch of, you know, conversations that I was engaged in. Right. So you just you just kind of hit that. And what I've noticed is the people that I pay a lot of money to, the coach and Trey Reed, they do the same thing. And that's, that's a big piece to take so everything becomes intentional. I guess intentional is probably the word you're looking for. Yeah. Social media can be very random because it's kind of like TV. You mentioned TV. It, yeah. You get sucked into a show and 30 minutes is gone, 60 minutes is gone. Almost everything I watch on TV, unless it's a live sporting event that I might catch, is on demand. It's something after the fact. And what I've found is the further I get into the fact, the further away I get into TV. That's true, and I think that something for me uh, that I'm taking from this too is that really I would be better off the way I manage social media is if I did block it off one and just handled it laser focus when I responded, you know, because everything from replying to the comments that come on the show to the messages, the instant messages, that kind of stuff, and then just farting around. And I don't watch TV, but truthfully, I kind of use Facebook like TV too. I mean, I watch people's lives like it's must-see TV. <laughs> like, 
There's show. There's people that do Facebook Live that I will not miss because they. It's just captivating every time, and it is. It is a distraction away from what you're doing. You know. So it's. Go ahead. No, go 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 ahead. I mean, I do. I mean, I enjoy seeing my friends' kids grow up. And why, I mean, that's the stuff I love. Yeah, for sure. So it's hard to unplug. It is. It is. It's crazy. I want to ask you, though. So going back to when you, after you started off, you know, on your own project, and this is before the 10 Factor, when you lost everything again and you were struggling, I- I'm sure there was moments where you were like, there was a, an, a poor me moment or a, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What was it that helped you shift your mindset? Because there's a lot of people that I know that watch this show and, and that are listening that have, are in that spot where they were just riding high and then all of a sudden the rug gets swept out from under them. There's, there's real estate agents out there right now that were doing extremely well, but then when the social media craze took over and the millennials like really learned how to do content marketing and they've just kind of flipped the industry on its head, there's a lot of people that are going, crap, now what? That are looking for something to help pick themselves off the mat, reinvent themselves and go. What was it for you that did that? Okay, well, well number one, I got, I got screwed in business. So, I mean, that, that goes without saying. So I didn't get paid a lot of money. So as, as that process worked through, there was a point where I had the hard conversation look, this is not going to work out the way you want. Right. So we moved in, I'm sitting in my whole office now, we moved into this house December 18th, 2015. And between then and Christmas is when that call happened. Well, bear in mind, we had twins that were due at the end of January. So that six-week period was like complete... You just said flipped upside down. That's what happened. Uh, so I got out of this chair, walked about 10 steps toward my wake was, and I said, I think I got to get a job. Who are those We're words? not getting paid all this money. I don't know what I'm going to do. So <coughs> it was a repeat of the jaw hitting the table, you know, 10, 10 years later from my boss, because, you know, just not left people. And, and what happened was we exchanged one of the looks. Husband, wife, or you know, significant, serious, significant other looks. Where I kind of say, you gotta trust me. That, that's not the right solution because that's gonna take us back ten years and you know, we're gonna start all those problems again. You gotta, you gotta trust me. You gotta let me figure this out. So I walked back into my office and I sat down at my desk and I pulled out a legal pad and started scratching out some notes. And what I was doing was I'm gonna make this much money if I get a job and here's what our bills are. And, and the math wasn't working. It took me about ten seconds because I'm in numbers. I already knew the numbers. It was just I had to write it down and prove it to myself. Got back up out of my chair, walked back out. I said, "There's no way to help me get the job because it's going to it's going to set us way back. Got to let me figure this out." So I came back to my desk and sat down and started getting my thoughts together. So in my system, that's the 10 second test. That's the 10 minute dream state, which is where you want to be. And then I did, and I'm not sure how I did this. Back, but I put it away and went back to bed. Then I came back that night, a little bit of a clearer head, a little bit less emotion, and that's where I kind of expanded my thoughts, and that's my 10-hour reflection. So that's the first three pieces that kick off the 10 factor. So every time I have a new client, 20 of your listeners, 
what I do is we sit down at the first session, whether it's on a video or whether it's face-to-face or it's on a phone, and I say, what do you want? Where do you want to be? They go, what do you mean? Just write down, pick up race. And they write it down. For me, it was get out of the contract. That was what I wanted. Right. So they do that. And then I just kind of start talking and, you know, to get to know you session. About 10 minutes later, I say, okay, here's what you said. Let's expand on this a little bit. And they kind of talk to me about it. And then I send them home with homework. And I said, now tonight, after the kids go to bed or whatever, sit down and just pull your journal out or write a paragraph or a page. What does all that mean? Right. And then what we do for the first month is I, each session, I kind of repeat that process. At least the, the first two steps, which is the, where do you want to be? And then at the end of the month, I just kind of pull my notes out and I say, let's read through the last four or five weeks. And their faces are like, because what happens is what they really wanted isn't always what they thought. So what happens is we get out of their head what they really want. And then once we figure it out, then we can start going to whatever result is. But then we start implementing this stuff. How, how, really how many of your clients that you work with that are entrepreneurs always had an idea of what they were going to do. In other words, like as kids, they like what they're doing now back to the, it, it, it somehow relates to something they dreamed about as a child. How many of, what would you say the percentage is? <clears throat> it's, it's probably pretty high. It's those little, because what it is, and I, I attribute that to what your core is. Your core never really changes. <laughs> everybody talks about passion. Yeah. Your passions can change through life. But whatever your core is, never can detect wire. Well, I use the club and spoke, and here's your core, and then they spoke to the different phases. So, like right now, I coach you sports. You know, I work with entrepreneurs with families. You know, I have a system of 10 factor. You know, all those things. One of them folks can place, but what I'm about never really changes. So, I feel like going through that is really basically trying to define what, what am I really about? And what do I really want? And how do I get into one to five percent of people that actually do what they want and don't hate life? I, yeah, I, for me, it's this. It's I, I, honest to God, like every what I'm trying to create with the show and doing TV and speaking more and um, emceeing events, things like that. Like that's all just happened within the last few months. But that's, but on if I look back at it as a child, that's what I obsessed about. I, I constantly dreamed about being a talk show host like Larry King Oprah um, you know I listened to like Don Imus and other just like AM talk radio guys and like I I, I love that and but I'm like well I'm, I'm in sales right you know I, I'm not going to broadcasting school I'm in sales I never even thought it was possible and then also I remember like so many instances as a kid like seeing something and it could have been as simple as don't laugh at me because I'm not saying I'm a fashionista, but like certain styles or trends that I, I had an eye for, but I, I would see it and I would start dressing like that. And then two years and it, before, like it was just my own thing. And then two years later, all of a sudden that's a trend. Not that I started it, but it was just like, I've always was seen way ahead and it took me it took until seven months ago for me to really understand that it is the gift of vision and it's not, it's not 
something crazy. They're not hallucinations. It's a real thing. And it took Lauren Harris to basically say that to me without me ever saying a word to anybody. He goes, you're a visionary. I'm like, oh, so that's real. That's not, <laughs> that's not a crazy thing. But everything I can think about that I want to do and what I create falls back to the same things that I geeked out about as a child in my desire to serve and help other people reach their highest self. That's been that way since I was a kid. So that's why I asked that question. Cause I, you work with more entrepreneurs than I do. And I was just curious to know that. Well, well the thing is, I, I use the phrase of the line, be like a kid. So I feel like society needs the kid out of you. Yeah. So I always talk about like, you know, don't be a telly, like they go, go, go. They, you know, you're naturally born a salesperson and you're selling your parents when you're tiny little. Then you start worrying about what you look like and how you say on this and that. So really what you're doing essentially is you're rekindling that fire that somebody put out. It's like the death by the thousand times. Where society says, do this, do this, do this, and you say, no, you're doing that. So he says, why do you do that? I don't know. I just kind of fell into it. Well, that means anytime somebody tells you that, that's not normally where they want to be. Yeah. That means they didn't put themselves, they fell into it. And those are the people that end up on their deathbed going, I wish, instead of ungrateful. And yeah. that's really what we're trying to do is. And with me, with, with that whole thing with family, is I don't want my clients to go, oh, wow, I wish I had seen my kids do this. Instead, I want them to look back and say, good plans, people do. Yeah. And that's really where I've kind of backed into what I do. I, I love that. And I, I think that it's changing, too. What we used to tell kids, well, you need to go to school and be a doctor, or you need to... Like, I think we're starting to kind of, the, the old rules are starting to change as people start to wake up to the way we were taught, like our age, the way that we were taught is not really the right way. I mean, it's, you know, being put in a box is not what's best. I mean, I think about school for me, it, by school standards, I was the probably one of the, the most, I hate to say dumb, but let's put it this way. I, I did horrible in school. Like I, I had to cheat my way through school. I, the way I was taught was not the right way for me. I, I struggled. It was frustrating. I got pissed. But yet, now that I'm, I've, when I was able to go off on my own and say, okay, enough of college and I just want to do my thing, I realized, oh my gosh, I really do love to learn and I have a capacity to learn at a great rate, but it's not, it's just not the way I was taught in school. You know, I can, I can learn, I can retain information. I do have a thirst for knowledge I, I, and I am smart, but the way school was, I wasn't smart that way. And I'm starting to hear more and more stories of kids or parents that are putting their kids in situations where they can thrive now and the different types of learning is starting to be understood better. And now kids are starting to thrive because they're being taught the way they needed to. Have you ever read Code of the Extraordinary Mind? I have not, but I might have to put it on my list. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, uh, Vision, who has mindvalley.com, to me, I, I, like, you can have all the motivational speakers in the world, whatever. It, I, it just, it is what it is. Like, you go, you get pumped up. You know, it's basically like having a cup of coffee and then, it, you know, it wears off. That's that's my feeling about it. Sorry, motivational speaking friends. But, you know, unless if you're actually teaching people something and you're just up there preaching at them, it doesn't do any good. Anyway, so 
I I read that book and it basically the way it made me go I'm not crazy I'm not crazy because some people do think big picture some people do don't want to be fit into a box they're not comfortable there they see outside of that and they see the world differently you think about and again I'm a man of faith but the religion we choose is what our parents taught us you know, our, the music we like, the things that we're told, like we grow up hearing that, it's because of what's been placed on us. And, and Vision calls them rules, as in BS rules. And when I read that book, it was like, oh, I get this now. And it's just about thinking freely, like using your brain for what it is, and that's to think and to learn. And the way that you take in information and the way that you see the world is the way you see it. And that's okay. Like, it doesn't have to be wrong. There's no wrong or right. It's just you're, you're free to think. And it was really, really eye-opening to me. And the way that he applies that to business is extraordinary. Hence, Code of the Extraordinary Mind. So I highly recommend it. Awesome. Free tip. You know, I, I talk to my clients a lot. And, and what I always ask them, I say, do you want to follow the curriculum? Or create the curriculum. Create, baby. But not everybody does. It, so the people that are, you know, I think everybody has the potential. But you, you also have to have the drive on the back end to really commit. Sure. And some people just want to be comfortable. And if you if you want to be comfortable at this juncture of your life, you may not be comfortable later in life. And that's a trade-off. So really, somebody that's really a serial entrepreneur is really trying to make a sacrifice now to do one of two things, either help other people or help themselves. Right. It's a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, the other, the other flip, the flip side of, of, of thinking that way and having more of a free-spirited personality and, 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 and more open-minded view is that, yeah, you're right, the back end of that, of having the policy, the structure, having those things set up, if that's not your strength, you all, that's the purpose of collaboration because you need those people in your life. And learning how to communicate with that personality type, which again is something for me, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what took so long, but for me to finally understand that we all don't communicate the same and we don't hear things the same and we don't communicate the same and learning those different styles has been so valuable for me and also the realization that going I'm going to keep hitting my head against the wall all day long until I learn how to collaborate with more analytical thinkers the detailed you know the people that love to ask a lot of questions that I'm like I don't have time for that well guess what make time to answer their questions because it may, very very well may be the thing that helps you take off into the stratosphere. So, well, that's it. Yeah, because we, we have to have it. How how much emphasis do you put on collaboration and like strategic partnerships with entrepreneurs? So, so what I do is my, my system's broken into ten months, and it basically it's laid out like a basketball game. So you you work through the the first quarter, the second quarter, then halftime is when you optimize. Then in the third and fourth quarter is when you really explode. Know your business, right? And that's when all of that happens. So I feel very strongly. The beginning, I, I, I work in terms of multiple. So you know, at the beginning of the program, I challenge you to look at your ten stars, which can be an employee, 
can be an outsourced partner, you know, somebody that's going to allow you not to be the bottleneck. Yeah. And I tell you, you, you bring them on as needed, you put the rest on the bench, so they're there, they're ready, and then you, you implement, you know, as needed, so you're growing out your team, and then you're really testing and testing and testing, and then you get into, you know, one four and five, which is halftime, and that's where you optimize. That's where you take operational processes and make them efficient. Things like automating or, you know, try and just make do more with less, essentially. Right. Then in the second half, that's when you do things. So affiliate partnerships, joint venture partnerships, you know, all those different things. But really what you're doing Okay, I'm really good at this, and I really enjoy it. Somebody else is really good at that, and they really enjoy that. But oh my gosh, if we put the two together, imagine. Well, most people say, okay, we need more partnerships. They're going to end ugly. They all end ugly. Well, you don't have to form a lifetime partnership. Nope. You're talking about a venture. And I think that's. A big misconception is that a partnership is, hey, we're going to start a business together, and we're going to we're married, and we're going to be with this business for 50 years, and then we're going to sell it. Well, a partnership can be two months, it can be six months, it can be a year, it can be a project. That's the type of partnerships that I, you know, try to get my clients. I love that. And speaking of Lauren Harris, everyone's saying there's an echo. I don't hear it. You sound like you sound better, more clear than anyone that's ever been on the show. So, um, by the way, you you want to have an extraordinary guest on your show? You, uh, Lauren Harris is incredible. He is like, have, do you know who that is? I do not. No. Oh my gosh, he is one of the best visionary speakers I've ever heard. He is the best visionary speaker I've ever heard in my life. Um, but he's just a fascinating guy. You would have fun with him on your show. Not that I'm planning guests for you. I'm just saying. Yeah, I do recommend him. Um, well, so what are you working on? Are you, so you, what do you have going on now? So you've got your book, right? Yeah, so the, so the book came out on the end of February. And, you know, that did, did what it was supposed to do. It, it went up the charts you know, pretty quickly. Stayed there. We ended up... I was, actually, I was pleasantly surprised. We, we were number one new release on Amazon. 27 straight days. Wow. Which, which was day three through 30, and then they pulled it down at the end of, you know, once we got into the second month. So that was that was kind of a pleasant surprise. So we, we did really well, you know, in the game. Now it's really a problem of the back ends. So what I decided, and I, I really stewed over this for a while. You know, I'm, I'm doing some one-on-one coaching and things like that, but I wanted to get impact more people. So, I, I finally, I, I quit with it, and I, with it, and I finally launched my, my 10 Factor Elite Mastermind Academy. And that is, it's a, a pay through the smaller ticket item to allow collaboration, training, you know, mastermind, guts, you know, accountability, you know, all the things that you need. Because I felt with me, one of the biggest changes I made of bringing my circle of influence. Mm. So now I want to pass that on and give entrepreneurs an opportunity to get around like-minded people. 
and grow together. And so I really put a lot of emphasis on that. So right now, all of my messaging is driving to the academy. And then out of that academy, then you know, some people need one-on-one, and, and there's, there's nothing. You can only work with so many people one-on-one. Yeah. You really want to That's, um, masterminds are starting to become there's just a, there's a lot of people and I and I know like, like I, I'm not saying this about yours because I've actually heard great things about it but I'm, I'm saying that there's a lot of masterminds out there and you you hear these big names that are going who I'm not going to mention but then you get there and it's more of a look at me <laughs> like it's not there's no collaboration at all it's a very self-serving effect, uh, um, event and I found that very disappointing with a lot of them. And I'm like, that's not the nature of what this is all about. And it's been very disappointing, but it's good to have people like yourself that are doing it, and I believe doing it the right way, which is truly to empower, to work together, at being a think tank, a collaboration tank, whatever you want to call it. Um, is it is it online or is it in person? So, it, so it's online. Okay. And what I try to do them on the front end how to actually engage be part of a community that's good so big emphasis on doing an introduction with your challenges sharing wins but also sharing losses because I think anybody that tells you it's easy is lying yeah but I think it's important that you share your losses and your wins and then accountability so we're doing a lot of it in the early stage so Right now, is that to get in? Because you know, this thing is my plan is to explode this thing. But so, of course, with that, you know, quickly the price goes up. Sure. But in any any event, it, it's really about getting in a forum where everybody can, can grow together. The biggest thing that I found, from, you know, and let's let's talk about mastermind. This is really a mastermind. Not a roundtable mastermind where it's ten people, you know, sitting around a table on a Zoom call. This is really a community that has a deal with collaboration. That's cool. It's different. I've had very good success with the mastermind in, in that sense, a hot seat type mastermind, but only if it has a specific result in mind. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I want to do this in three months, right? You know, but a long, long-term mastermind of that. It's kind of like any other networking group. Yeah, I, I'm a, I like that, and I also like the fact that you're addressing the problems because there's usually someone in that group that looks at that problem as an opportunity, or has a solution, and I find that (laughs) I'm one of those people sometimes that'll create a problem just to find where the where the (laughs) where the opportunity is. I don't like it. I don't like mainline. I, it drives me crazy. I, I need I need a ripple because that's where I'm able to see. Oh, there's 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 the spot right there. That's the part that you can take this to the next level. Um, I I which I wish I wasn't like that because I'm eventually going to give myself a heart attack because I live for that thrill. But that's just that's just how I've always been. I've always every time I have a problem, I go ooh opportunity. Let's go. It's when everything's going right, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, 
Well, listen, man. I uh, we're running out of time on the live feed, but I um, I'm so grateful that you came on the show. Uh, you're an interesting guy, and I, I just you know I, I love I love what you're all about. I'm actually if you would you put the mastermind information in the comments because I I would love to check it out. Yeah, I'll do it once I on the call here. I'll I'll go back and put it in. Awesome, man. Well, Tim, do what? What state are you in? Are you in California? You're in Maryland? Oh, nice. Perfect. Excellent, man. What's up, John? How you doing, man? Um, well, listen, Tim, I'm so grateful that you came on and gave me all your time and, and really just just enjoyed the chat. I'm going to check out your mastermind and uh, anything I can do to support you, man, let me know. Awesome. Likewise. All right, brother. Pleasure being on here. So thanks. All right, man. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, man. That was that guy is fascinating. I and you, I def, definitely recommend checking out his book. I've heard amazing things about it, so it's now on the list of things that I'm going to read because he really does know what he's talking about. And anyone that has dealt with that kind of loss and be able to bounce back, and one, it's inspiring, but two. If he knows how to get dig his way out of a hole like that and to get back on his feet and then just to be as successful as he is, that's a good guy to take tips from, you know? I mean, I'm one of those people that I don't really learn a lot from the people that have only been successful in their life. There's nothing to learn. But you learn a lot from failures. You learn a lot from chaos. And he's been through it and survived it. And now he's thriving. Very, very, very inspiring. Uh, John, good to see you guys. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining. Lauren Harris, always good to see you, my friend. Vasile, sorry about the echo, man. Bonnie, good to see you. Uh, who else is here? Jody, Jonathan, God bless you guys. Jim Weaver, wonderful seeing all of you this morning. Um, if you haven't already, please share the video. He did drop a lot of very powerful information that I think would benefit all of you. Um, I know it benefited me. So... Radio audience, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. God bless you. Thanks for the downloads and the support. You guys have a good day. Peace out. So you're stuffing a raw chicken full of lemon and tarragon, and you're sweating because A, you can fit a lot of lemon and tarragon inside a chicken. And B, your date is arriving soon, and you still haven't opened wine or put on music or set the mood. But you do have an Amazon Echo, so you say, Alexa, turn on date night. Okay. And just like that, romantic music begins to play, the lights are dimmed, and all you have to do is pour the wine right after you wash your hands thoroughly. Alexa, you're amazing. My pleasure.